Welcome to Storytime with Michael Kingswood. I am Michael Kingswood, retired naval officer, Christian, dad, and writer extraordinaire. I mostly focus on science fiction and fantasy, but I've been known to write just about everything under the sun, including the occasional romance. The purpose of this podcast is to share my stories with you, the reading slash listening public. So sit back and relax, because I'm going to tell you the story. Hey friends, I'm Michael Kingswood. It's story time and I'm a little pressed for time recording this, so won't waste any time except to say hi. It's been a good week. It's been a good week. Hopefully you guys had a good week too, but I know you're anxious for two more chapters of Outdweller, Grimmerville Chronicles number two, so let's get to it. Chapters 21 and 22 this week, uh, written by me a few years ago and read by Kevin Sapp. Enjoy. I'll talk to you after the chapters. 21. Predator and Prey Julian shivered and pulled his cloak more tightly against his body. It was a chilly night, and a dark one, with only a faint sliver of moon in the sky, and the mail he had donned earlier certainly did not help matters. But it was not solely the temperature that made Julian shiver. This was dangerous business they were on, and he was not entirely certain that they were ready for it. Oh, sure, Lauren put on a good show of confidence, circling around Beverly and Helena's house with his staff dragging on the ground while he chanted in a low tone and in words, if they even were words, from no language Julian had ever heard before. He was certainly casting a spell of some sort, but Julian only knew enough about magecraft to be able to tell when a man is casting a spell. He had no idea as to what the spell may do. Julian glanced up at the stairs leading up the side of the house toward Helena and Beverly's flat. Helena had moved back in just yesterday, far sooner than he would have expected, but the men in town hired to clean up the mess had been thorough, and she could not have much money stashed away to cover her rent and a room at an inn or a boarding house. Strange that she did not have some friends who would let her stay with them, but she and Beverly had kept to themselves, except with the children, and, apparently, with other women's husbands. It almost made Julian wonder what Helena did in her private time. Like sister like sister, perhaps? He pushed that thought away. Even if it were true, it had no bearing on the knight's mission, to save her life. Assuming Lauren was correct, that was. Just then, the mage finished his incantations and stopped, leaning on his staff for a good half-minute. Julian blinked to see him breathing heavily, as after a hard bit of effort. But all he had done was walk in a circle and chant. Strange, that. Lauren straightened and turned toward where Julian and Radric stood, at the front corner of the sisters' building. He favored them with the briefest of nods, then said, It is done. What, exactly? Radric voiced Julian's words just as plainly as he would have. A warding of sorts. It will alert me when the outdweller crosses within, and take certain steps to reduce its power while it remains. Even the two of you could take it if it came down to it, as long as it remained within the warding. Julian whistled softly, the mage's barb ignored in the face of his explanation. From what the mage had said, this outdweller thing was no slouch. If the warding was as good as he claimed, it was no wonder it had tired him out casting it. Lauren smirked and glanced at Julian. Best you not test that theory, though. I will take it. Your job, he added in a pointed, commanding tone, is to ensure no surprises creep up on me while I do it. Understand? Julian glowered, but Radric nodded immediately, so he followed suit. 
No sense griping, he supposed, but it still irked him how Lauren talked down at them sometimes. Most times. The mage smirked again, then turned and walked up the stairs to the door leading into the sister's flat. There, he retreated in the shadows of the entrance and effectively vanished from sight. I hope this works, Julian said, his gaze lingering on where Lauren waited. I don't like the notion of using Helena as bait. Me neither. Radric's frown spoke volumes that his tone did not. But he's probably right. If she is the target, they, uh, it, will follow her wherever she is. Julian nodded reluctantly. I still don't like it. Radric clapped him on the shoulder and they shared a grim smile before retreating to their positions. Julian settled into the deeper shadows beneath the eaves of the house to the sister's left, Radric to a small alcove in the building to the right. And then they settled down to wait. Melanie stood in the doorway of a butcher's shop across the way from Beverly and Helena's building, behind the veil of her concealment spell, and watched Lauren complete his circle of enchantment. She frowned, recognizing parts of the incantation, or at least the movements Lauren used, enough to figure out that he was setting up a warding of some sort, but she had never seen one quite like what he had just made. She only managed to catch fractions of the conversation between the three men as she followed them from the Orlock, where she had been waiting for Lauren to make an appearance, but she did not like the sound of the situation at all. Outdweller was not a title to make anyone learned about such things feel comfortable. Truth be told, she had to force herself to keep her feet in place, lest she flee to a place of safety. If only half the things Timon told her about them were true, Julian and Radric were in far more danger than they knew. And Lauren as well. She sniffed softly, ignoring that part of her mind. She did not care one whit if Lauren put himself in danger or not, if he were butchered alive or not. He had... Memories pushed aside for so long, flooded back. Timon's smile kind and warm, the feel of his arms around her, the joy, the wonder of their time together, the heart-wrenching sound of his agonized screams when they took him, and the decision to flee, to save herself, that left her heart broken and bleeding on the stones behind her as she went, never to be whole again. They had spoken of it, of the danger they both faced from his teaching her, and he had made her promise to do just that if they were discovered, to run. But that did not make it any easier or lessen her guilt over abandoning him. Melanie shuddered and drew in a deep breath to get herself under control. She swiped at the little tears that had fallen partway down her cheeks, her returned grief changing to anger, a towering fury. She would not wallow in her tears again. Especially not now, not when she had the opportunity to strike at the source of all her pain. She reached into the pouch that hung from her belt opposite her dagger and fingered through its contents. She knew each by touch. Components that would help bring her spells to life. Oh, the things she could do. The pain she could weave onto the Inquisitor's form before he perished. The men exchanged a few words. Then Lauren retreated up the stairs and Julian and Radric took up their positions. Their trap, and it surely could be nothing else, was set. Just as she had hoped. A battle with an outdweller would be taxing, even with the warding, whatever it did. Lauren would be exhausted once it was done. And then she... A subtle sound, so low in pitch that it almost did not register with her ears, interrupted Melanie's train of thought. She looked around, frowning, unable to tell the sound's source. A shiver went up her spine, and she found herself trembling. There was something about that noise. Something... unclean. 
ominous. The sound increased in volume, and she began to make out a rhythm to it, a steady beat that made her heart race as it grew louder. It took a full minute for her to recognize the sound for what it was. Footsteps. Melanie panned around, seeking the source of the footsteps, but it was in vain. All was darkness and shadow, except for the suddenly very tiny-seeming nimbuses of light around the street lamps scattered at irregular intervals. This section of Lyttelton was not as well lit as Main Street by any means, and even there, the lamplighters were sparing with their services. Nothing moved. And yet something did. It crept—no, not crept—stalked—closer. Melanie could feel its presence, a palpable weight in her mind— and felt the first stirrings of panic. This was the thing nightmares were made of. Fitting that it comes now in the dead of night, for it is death on the hunt, come for you. Where had that thought come from? Melanie shook her head to clear it, but the mental weight only got worse. She smelled it. Faint on the night breeze at first, but growing steadily stronger as the thing advanced. Sickly sweet, like fruit that had been left out too long and went rancid. It left her twisting uncomfortably, as if all the other stimuli were not enough. Again she looked about. Still nothing, but it could not be long now. She glanced back at the shadowy areas where her friends, and her nemesis, waited. They must be feeling the outdweller's approach as she did. In her mind's eye, she saw Julian and Radric draw their weapons, bolstering their courage against this sudden terror with the reassuring feel of cold steel. Useless though that steel would be against this foe. The slightest shifting of a shadow off to the left drew her eyes, and for a second all Melanie could see was darkness. Then the darkness itself seemed to move, to slither through the intervening space between one building and the next, and the hairs on Melanie's neck stood up straight. Even beneath the crushing pressure she felt in her mind, she knew. It had come. The Outdweller. May the gods help them. 22. The Outdweller The Outdweller moved quickly, more quickly than the pace of its footsteps would have suggested. In the darkness, Melanie almost could not follow its progress toward the sister's building— she realized she was more than trembling. She was shaking from head to toe, the outdweller's presence had affected her so. Part of her mind recoiled at her reaction, shouting defiance at the fear, and demanding she get a hold of herself and do something. The more sensible part of herself replied that the best thing to do was to keep back, out of sight, and pray the beast did not notice her. It did not seem to. It kept its course, a darker shadow that made the other shadows recoil in terror as it sped toward its target. And then it stopped cold, and for an instant Melanie beheld it in all its perversion. Shadows wrapped the creature from head to toe, standing out against the backdrop of a lonely street lamp like a bird before the sun. Darkness swirled and swayed, obscuring the being beneath, so that only portions could be seen in any particular instant. Short legs that ended in cloven hooves. A mammoth hulking torso that was covered in spikes and barbs. Long arms that reached past its knees and ended in long, curved talons. A small, round head. Or was it large, capped by horns? Or uh, twin heads, laughing insanely at the world around them? The cloak of darkness made it difficult to see anything for certain there, except for two pairs of eyes that glowed red, like the depths of a smith's forge. 
A new sound reached Melanie's ears. Higher-pitched, guttural and scraping, like metal against stone. The outdwellers breathing. Melanie shrank back against the wall and found she could not breathe. It could not think, at least not of anything but flight. This was not a thing she could face and live. It would rip her very soul from her corpse and feed on it for all eternity. Run, you stupid ninny, run! Somehow, she did not. Some part of her was certain that if she did, if she moved at all from that spot, the beast would detect her, chase her down, and then... She would have shuddered, except she could not bring herself to move even that much. The outdweller growled, a deep basso that carried entire volumes of rage and hatred, then took another step forward. And stumbled. In a flash, Melanie realized why it had stopped in the first place. It was standing on the edge of Lauren's warding. Had, in fact, pushed itself past the warding, and been hampered by it. The Inquisitor went up quite a bit in her estimation. She knew beyond a doubt there was nothing she could have done to make such a being pause, let alone lose its feet. Brilliant white light, more bright than the sun at noon, lanced out from the top of the stairs alongside the sisters' building and struck the outdweller in the chest. The world exploded in a rainbow of light, and the outdweller's scream was only eclipsed by Melanie's own as she cowered back from the sudden assault. More bellows and screams, and deeper sounds that more resembled the groans of a building about to give way than those of a living creature, followed, and that was all Melanie could sense for a long moment. After-images of Lauren's attack dominated her vision, leaving only a purple-white blob in front of her for what seemed an eternity. The smell of smoke and burning flesh filled the air and the outdweller stomped a foot down, or at least that was what it sounded like. A man's voice cried out. She could not make out who. Melanie blinked her eyes quickly and turned her head away, trying to clear her vision. Another bellow, this one from the beast again. Then the concussion of a detonation from a fireball by the sound of it. Something struck her chest and Melanie was knocked back against the wall for a small eternity. The force constricted her and she could not breathe, could not move, could not see, though that was hardly anything new. Then, all at once, the force was gone and she collapsed to the ground on her belly, gasping. Still the battle went on and from the sound of things it was not going well. Booms, growls, shouts, grunts, little explosions enough that it seemed she had been on the ground for hours. But when she managed to push herself up to her hands and knees and raise her head to look, it was plain that only a few seconds had passed. Lauren was advancing down the stairs, his staff clasped in both hands, one end of the staff shining like a little star. He wore an expression of grim determination, despite the cut on his forehead and his disheveled hair. Radric lay on his back to the right where he had apparently been thrown by the force that had knocked Melanie down, and was just now raising himself up onto his elbows. Julian was nowhere in sight. The outdweller reared up to its full height, easily ten feet if not a couple more, and the shadows ringing it whipped and whirled like tentacles. Tentacles that ended in scythes. Morin ducked beneath one, and it cut cleanly through the stairs above and behind him, sending them falling to the ground with a clatter. The Inquisitor yelled a battle cry in a tongue Melanie did not recognize, and she knew many, and leapt off the stairs to his right, dropping the dozen feet or so to land on the ground in the alley between his sister's building and its neighbor. As he landed, a series of starlets, smaller versions of the brilliant beam that was his initial attack, shot from the end of his staff and flew at the outdweller. The beast growled again and moved its right arm. Tendrils of blackness whipped around in front of it and intercepted the starlets, one by one. 
Lauren snarled and took a step forward, barking out another incantation. A second series of starlets flew forth, more numerous this time. Again, whirling black tendrils reached out to intercept them, but this time the starlets were too many, and two struck home. The outdweller hissed and stumbled backward a half-step, looking for a moment as though it would fall completely. But instead, it found its footing and rose upright once more, bounding forward toward the Inquisitor. Lauren's lips compressed and he thrust his staff out before himself. A hemisphere of translucent blue energy appeared in front of the outdweller, stopping its advance. The beast howled and pressed its arms forward against the barrier, rage at the minuscule rodent that was trying to thwart it, evident from the way its eyes flashed. Lauren leaned forward against his staff as though it was a physical wall, and he cried out an incantation of force. Melanie recognized the spell at once. It had been among the first spells Timon taught her. For a second, she was surprised Lauren would use that one. It was elementary. But then, the earliest teachings are often those learned the best, and against an onslaught like the one the Outdweller was bringing, he would need something he knew instinctively and was very, very good at. The Outdweller reeled backward as Lauren's spell hit it, and again it looked as though it was going to go over onto its back. But, as before, it righted itself and pushed back. Hard. Lauren was leaning against his staff like a man bracing a wall that was about to fall over. His feet were planted firmly against the dirt of the alley, and, as the outdweller came forward, he again shouted out with the force incantation at the top of his lungs. He may as well have tried to hold back the tide. The Inquisitor moved backwards, slowly at first, then more quickly as the outdweller gained momentum. Lauren's feet dug furrows into the dirt of the alley, and he grimaced against the beast's onslaught. Then the outdweller bellowed, far louder than anything it had voiced to this point, and gave a great shove forward. Lauren flew bodily backwards through the air, losing his grip on his staff as he flew, and landed on his back ten feet from where he stood a second before. He hit the ground hard, and did not move. The outdweller raised its head and howled in victory to the midnight sky above. Then, slowly, implacably, it began to advance. Melanie forced herself to her feet and reached into her belt pouch, watching the beasts advance through narrowed eyes. And also, watching Lauren. The Inquisitor stirred, moving sluggishly like a man dazed, and small wonder, as he tried to push himself up to a seated position. This was her chance for revenge. If she let the Outdweller do it, she would never have the satisfaction. She reached down into the belt pouch and pulled out the components for Timon's favorite offensive spell the one she had to pay all manner of carnal prices to get him to teach. Prices that she was all too happy to pay, but prices nonetheless. From off to the left, a figure emerged out of the shadows and raced forward. Lamplight and moonlight joined together to reflect off Julian's sword as he cut at the beast's quarter. The outdweller flicked its left hand contemptuously, like a man swatting at a midge, and a tendril of darkness whipped around and knocked Julian on his left temple. He fell in a heap. Red-hot rage and the shock of feared loss threatened to intrude on the cold calm that Melanie had surrounded herself with. Her nemesis lay on the ground, helpless. She might never get this chance again. But you couldn't take this thing on your own if you tried, and it's responsible for the murders. She growled at herself and forced the little voice in her head away. It will kill again, and it will be all your fault. So what? Timon, the love of her life, was dead. 
dead in the most horrific way possible, and the man responsible was lying vulnerable at her feet, just waiting for her vengeance. On the ground in front of her, Julian rolled over and raised his head. For a moment, their eyes met, and she saw his lips moving. He shook his head in denial. Melanie began her incantation, and Julian's face became obscured behind the flames that flared up around her outstretched hands. And we finally get to meet the beastie. Seems kind of beastly to me. And hopefully Melanie is not going to screw everything up for them. Nah, couldn't be. It'll be fine. But to find out if it is or not, you'll have to come back next week for chap next two chapters. Of course, you can also go buy the book at com or michaelkingswood.com. You can get to the uh, bookstore through both those places. Obviously, Amazon and the rest work too. But I like uh, the web store better because I control it and I get a little more money from it in most cases. Um, depending exactly which payment system you use, uh, it may either be a lot more than I would get through the other th- other places or about the same amount. Either way, I control it so it's better. Um, but yeah, hopefully uh, you guys enjoyed those. Please come back uh, next week for the rest if you don't want to buy the book or even if you do because, you know, audiobooks are awesome. Um And, of course, uh, tell everybody you know, like, subscribe, do all the notification things that you, whatever platform you're watching or listening to this on, and I'll talk to you next week. Until then, don't do anything I wouldn't do. Thanks for listening to Storytime with Michael Kingswood. For information on my books, visit michaelkingswood.com or visit my web store at ssnstorytelling.com. My books are all available through all the various e-tailers, but buying direct from me nuts me the most profit. For information on new releases and other special deals in the future, sign up for my newsletter on my website. Storytime with Michael Kingswood is copyrighted Michael Kingswood. Intro and outro music is copyright Gene Paul Zogby, licensed through stockmusic.net. All rights reserved.